0: Welcome to the Concord Online Podcast. Each week, we're going to be bringing you sermons from Concord to be a resource for you to live on mission with us, to inspire people to follow Jesus. Well, good morning and uh, greetings from Carson Newman University, your Baptist university, just to the east of here. Uh, My name is John Aiken, and I'm grateful to be here. And uh, when I'm not traveling and Um, and representing the school, our, my family, our church membership is here at First Concord and we're grateful to be part of this church and grateful for our pastor, uh, John Mark. But I don't know about you guys, I think it's an awfully big coincidence that the week Alabama football died, pastor is somehow not able to be here and face, and face the music. I just, I find that, you know, really convenient. And also, when he called me, you know, he's like, hey, John, you know that sermon we're doing where we have to give the disclaimer that you probably want to put your kids in the children's ministry? Why don't you take that one? And I was like, okay, I guess, I guess I'll do that. But I'm, I'm thankful to be here. We'll be in Proverbs chapter 5 here in just a second uh, proverbs chapter 5. I'll show you a picture uh, on the screen and then I'm going to sh- I'm going to tell you the story behind this picture, okay? It's a it's a pretty breathtaking picture. It's a guy taking a selfie with a shark. Now, the the story behind that picture is this man and his his new bride, they lived in Washington state, got married, and then for their honeymoon, they traveled down to Miami, Florida, and they were snorkeling off the coast of Miami. And while he was down there snorkeling, he saw this shark coming up behind him and thought this will be a great opportunity for a picture. And so he got his, his waterproof phone out, turned on the camera, and snapped that shot, which is an amazing shot, okay? Now, seconds after he took that picture, the shark attacked him. Okay, it started to maul him and bite him, and he started to have blood everywhere. And so the the scuba, the snorkeling people grabbed him, put him in the boat. When he got in the boat, part of his leg was missing, and they rushed him to the shore. And when they got there, they put him in an ambulance. And on the way to the hospital to try to save his life, he died in the arms of his new bride. Yeah, oh, that's terrible. It's not true. Okay. It didn't happen. That's the, that's the, it's clearly photoshopped. Um, he didn't even have snorkeling gear on, you know. Um, and so the story, it just, it, it goes around. I know everything on the internet's true, but he, they just circled around and, and people would, would share that story. But here's what's most intriguing about that story. While that story is not true, here, here's, this is crazy. In the year 2015, more people died setting up selfies than they did being attacked by sharks. So 2015, more deaths by selfie than by sharks. Now people, uh, for whatever reason, you'll see some other pictures on the screen, uh, find it adventurous or whatever to, to take these really high risk selfies. They'll climb up these large buildings or they'll, they'll go up on mountains and get out on the edge of the cliffs and then they'll try to get the perfect shot so they can post it on line and get a bunch of likes, and, and many, many, many people have died simply because they've tried to set up a selfie to get some likes on Instagram. Now, when we, when we hear that, when we hear that people die simply trying to get a picture taken, we think to ourselves, man, what an idiot. That's pretty dumb. Why would you risk your life for something that's so foolish? But here's what the the Bible tells us in the book of Proverbs, that when it comes to the issue of sinful unfaithfulness in marriage, that many of us in this room are doing the exact same thing. When you play with the sin of unfaithfulness, when you see how close to the line you can get without falling over, the the Bible says, in Proverbs it says, can a man play with fire and not be burned? We would say... Playing with fire, that's kind of silly, that's kind of, kind of dumb, but the Bible says that's what you're doing if you're playing around with this particular sin. You're taking selfies with sharks. And the problem is that you don't see the danger that you're in. When you're trying to come up close to that line, when you, when you think to yourself, man, I'm just having a little bit of fun, I'm never going to do anything anyways, it's not going to lead to that place. You think it's no big deal, but you don't see the danger that you're in. You don't see how this harmless flirting and, and, and doing silly things like calling somebody at work your work wife or your work husband, how that might end up actually destroying your family. You don't see how looking at pornography is is causing you to dehumanize women that you see merely as objects for your own gratification. You you don't see how fooling around with your boyfriend or girlfriend is training you to enjoy intimacy outside the covenant of marriage that it's supposed to be enjoyed in. What's happening here, what what Solomon's going to tell us in Proverbs is that you could be right now developing habits and setting patterns in your life that right now you think that's not really that big a deal, but those habits and those patterns will lead you to the point that one day you will do something that will cause your children to never forgive you, even at your funeral. And so we need to see the danger of the sin of unfaithfulness. What Solomon's gonna do here in the book of Proverbs, in Proverbs chapter five, is to give us wisdom to save us from hurting ourselves. This is a, a good gift that God has given in marriage for human flourishing, for our joy. But when we, just like fire's great in a fireplace, but when fire gets out of the fireplace, that's kind of dangerous. That's, that's how this is. So let's look at the wisdom that God gives us here uh, in Proverbs chapter 5. We're going to read verses 1 through 14 uh, in preparation for our study. And if you would, please stand to your feet out of reverence for reading the words of God. Solomon, the king, wrote these words under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. My son, be attentive to my wisdom, incline your ear to my understanding, that you may keep discretion and your lips may guard knowledge. For the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death, her steps follow the path to Sheol. She does not ponder the path of life. Her ways wander, and she does not know it. And now, O sons, listen to me, and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Keep your way far from her, and do not go near the door of her house, lest you give your honor to others, and your years to the merciless. Lest strangers take their fill of your strength, and your labors go to the house of a foreigner. And at the end of your life, you groan when your flesh and body are consumed, and you say, "'How I hated discipline.'" And my heart despised reproof. I did not listen to the voice of my teachers or incline my ear to my instructors. I am at the brink of utter ruin in the assembled congregation. May God bless the reading of His Word. You may be seated. The first thing that we see here uh, is the price of unfaithfulness. Solomon is warning his son and warning us through the Holy Spirit about the price of unfaithfulness here as he's talking to his son about the consequences of the danger of real physical unfaithfulness. Okay, that's what he's warning his son about here, the sin of unfaithfulness. Now, we need to define what that means, especially in our day and age, we've got to define what is the sin of unfaithfulness. And here's what it is. This is, this is the Bible's definition. This is how God has designed sex to work for human joy and flourishing, Okay. The sin of unfaithfulness is any deviation from exclusive intimacy with your heterosexual spouse. And every single one of those words is important. Any deviation from exclusive intimacy with your heterosexual spouse. So, so unfaithfulness, the sin of unfaithfulness could include pornography, it could include premarital sex. It can include extramarital sex. It can include sending pictures to people that you shouldn't send pictures to. It can include homosexual sex. Like all of those are deviations from the way that God has designed this to work. And so Solomon's warning his son about it. Now, as people read this passage, as he's talking about this this forbidden woman, her lips are dripping honey, and as he's describing this, some people, you know, modern people, when they read Proverbs 5, they're like, man, that really seems kind of sexist, all right? Like, he's like warning his son about this woman out there who wants to trap him. I mean, come on, man, be enlightened. That's kind of chauvinistic and sexist. But that's not what's happening at all, okay? What is the book of Proverbs? The book of Proverbs is a dad giving instruction to his son, okay? So because he's a dad giving instruction to his son, he's singing the old Holland Oat song, watch out, she's a man-eater, you know, be careful. If this was a mom writing to her daughter, she'd be singing Carrie Underwood's Cowboy Casanova and say, watch out for those snakes out there, you know? And so the the issue here is not this like warning about this woman called Honey Lips, The the issue here is he's warning his son, you are accountable for your actions, okay? You you can't pass the buck. You are accountable for what you do, so do not give in to the temptation to be a part of this particular sin. And there's two ways that the sin of unfaithfulness happens. Now, the the one way, and, and he talks about this in chapter six, that we're most accustomed to is attraction, right? You desire the way that somebody looks, and so you, you participate in this sin. That can happen both in terms of imagined, looking at something that you shouldn't look at, fantasizing about something that you shouldn't fantasize about, or it can happen in terms of like real physical intimacy with somebody who is not your spouse that you are attracted to, okay? And so that that's a real, that's a real danger that people fall into is, is being attracted to someone other than their spouse. And so let me just... Be very practical here, guys, especially. Your standard of what is attractive and what is beautiful is your wife. It's not some external standard with certain measurements that you're trying to compare her to or that she's supposed to measure up to. Your standard of what is beautiful is your wife. John Aiken's standard for beauty is Ashley Aiken. That's it. And let me just be very clear about this, okay? When I was a a young man, my dad told me, he's got four sons, that you talk to men like men, okay? So let me talk to men like men for a second. Husbands, if you do anything to cause your wife to doubt that she is your standard of beauty or that she's not measuring up to what your standard of beauty is, shame on you, like she gets enough of that simply by opening her phone and seeing things that are on online and social media and advertising to think I'm not measuring up. And for you to contribute to that is soul crushing. So don't do it. That's your standard of beauty. It reminds me of uh, several years ago, I saw a clip where uh, John Piper was, at, was getting asked these questions, and, and this one was a very short clip. And somebody asked him the question. I know know there's biblical exceptions to some of this. But they said, "Uh, Pastor John, how do I know that the woman I married is the woman God has for me? And his reply was, pull out the marriage certificate and see whose name's on there. And if it's her, then you marry, that's the one God has for you. Okay? So, guys, who's your standard of beauty? Pull out the marriage certificate and look at it that's your standard of beauty. And don't try to try to cause your wife to think that, that she's not enough for you, that you're not satisfied in her. So attraction is one of the main ways that we are led into uh, unfaithfulness. The other way that, that Solomon drills down on here is communication. He's talking about the fact, he says that her lips drip honey, which is probably a, a, a double entendre, talking about the smoothness of her speech, but also the the illicit kiss that you might engage in if you engage in this sin, but it's communication. He's talking about her speech is what is causing you to to fall into this sin. And here's the bottom line, and we don't really think about this as often as we think about attraction, but, but it is possible for you to do something that you never dreamed that you would do. And the starting line that got you to that point was what you thought was some harmless communication. What's the big deal if I check up on my high school girlfriend on Facebook and see how she's doing? What's the big deal if, the, if I think the guy at the gym that I work out next to listens to me better than my husband? What's the big deal if, I, if the girl that I work with at work laughs at my jokes and my wife thinks they're corny? And that begins to, to creep into your heart and to, to breed dissatisfaction with the person that you're to enjoy not only physical intimacy with, but communication intimacy with. And so communication can lead you to do something that you never dreamed you would do. Teenagers who are dating, it can look like people saying, well, if you really love me, then then you'll do this and trying to manipulate you in those ways. It's communication that leads you to do something that you shouldn't do. And Solomon says here, there's a cost for falling for that. Like there's a price that you pay. And that's why he warns his son. He, he details the consequences of what's going to happen if he falls because he's trying to, to motivate him to walk in the right direction, right? That's what warnings are supposed to do. I, I do this from time to time. I'll look on specific products because I think it's funny to see some of the specific warnings that are on there. One of, the, one of my favorites is if you look at like men's button-up shirts and you look at the tag on some of them, on many of them, There's a warning that says, warning, do not iron while wearing. You say, why is that on there, John? Because some fool did it and burned himself, right? And so they put that on there because they're like, hey, don't do that. Also, please don't sue us for doing it. But yeah, they do that because they're like, please use this accordingly, right? And so Solomon's doing the exact same thing. He's warning his son, telling him the consequences ahead of time so that he can heed the wisdom of his father and he can walk in purity. And here's what he says. Here's what unfaithfulness will do. Verse 9, lest you give your honor to others and your years to the merciless. It will waste your time. Verse 10, lest strangers take their fill of your strength and your labors go to the house of a foreigner. It's going to cause you to lose your money says in verse 11, at the end of your life, you groan when your flesh and your body are consumed. It could affect your health. Verse 12, you say, how I hated discipline and my heart despised reproof. I did not listen to the voice of my teachers or incline my ear to my instructors. You're going to be filled with regret that you didn't pay attention when you could have. And then he says there at verse 14, I'm at the brink of utter ruin in the assembled congregation. You're going to lose your reputation. So if you, if you fail here, if you fail in terms of uh, of unfaithfulness, the sin of unfaithfulness, what 's going to happen is you're going to waste your time. and is there a bigger waster of time in our culture than pornography? You're going to lose your money in our culture at least half. You're going to potentially lose your health. you can get an STD. you're going to be filled with regret, man, why did I make those mistakes? Why did I make those choices? What a fool I am, and you're going to lose your reputation. You may lose the respect of your children, of your spouse. And my, my youth pastor, when I was growing up in youth group and when I moved into college, he, he would preach Proverbs 5 about one time a year. And then would, he would look at us and he would say, especially to the guys, he would say, guys, and get very practical, here's the bottom line. Here's what, here's what Solomon's saying in Proverbs 5. If you mess up here, some other man is going to kiss your wife goodnight and some other man is going to tuck your children into bed. So he warns here about the consequences, the price of unfaithfulness, Several years ago, a friend of mine wrote an article called Envision the End of Your Sin. And he, in this article, he, he details the scenario of what it would be like for a man to be caught in adultery and then to have to confess that to the people around him. And this is what he says in that article. Drive down the road near your house and circle your neighborhood a few times. Picture the place where you walked the dog with your children in the evenings. Now pull into your driveway and walk up to the door of your home. Hear the scampering feet of your children running up to you and putting their arms around your legs saying, Daddy's home. See the way they love and trust you. Drink that in deeply. Now tell them to go outside and play because you've got to talk to Mom about something. As you walk to the kitchen where she's faithfully going about her day, look at those smiling pictures on the wall. Remember the happy days you shared together. Lead her by the hand to your bedroom where you used to make love. Ask her to have a seat. Feel your heart flutter and the lump form in your throat. See her eyes ask you what's wrong. Then watch her weep as you tell her you've been unfaithful. Hear her wail. See her sob. Feel her hit your chest and fall to the ground in despair. Imagine the phone call to her parents and to yours. Hear the silence on the phone as they take in what you've told them. Imagine the day you gather your children and sit them down to explain why mommy and daddy are going to spend some time apart and sell the house they love so much. See yourself taking down those smiling pictures from the wall and taping up the moving boxes, unsure if you will ever open them again. Do you see it? Sin doesn't tell you about those days, does it? Solomon's warning us here, there is a price for unfaithfulness. The second thing that he tells us, though... Is that there is the joy of faithfulness, the joy of faithfulness. Look what he says there in verse 15. These are Solomon's words. Drink water from your own sister, flowing water from your own well. Should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets, let them be for yourself alone and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth, a lovely dear. A graceful doe, let her breasts fill you at all times with delight, be intoxicated always in her love. Why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman, and embrace the bosom of an adulteress? So what Solomon does here, and Solomon understands through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that the no by itself is not enough, and that you have to put in the place of the negative something positive. And so what he does is he points us, he points his son to the gift of marriage. Now, I'm not going to go through it because we are trying to keep it PG-13, but the, the language, the poetic language that he uses here, if you want to study it on your own, is extremely explicit, but it bas- basically saying, hey, be satisfied in your wife. Be satisfied in your spouse. As one commentator on the book of Proverbs said, the best defense against unfaithfulness in marriage is a strong offense in marriage. Okay, the best defense is a strong offense. And so the Bible tells us, you can look in the Old Testament, Proverbs 5, you can look at the New Testament in 1 Corinthians 7, the Bible says that the, the thing that will protect your marriage the most here is for you to be regularly engaged in intimacy with your spouse. Okay, that's not, that's not my words, Pastor John Mark didn't put me up to this, okay? Like, that's, this is the Bible. This is what Proverbs 5 says, and it's what 1 Corinthians says. Paul, the Apostle Paul, in 1 Corinthians 6, he warns about the sin of unfaithfulness. And then in 1 Corinthians 7, he says, husbands and wives, do not deprive each other except for a time by consent, because if you do deprive one another, he says, you're giving Satan room to work in your marriage. That's what the Apostle Paul says, okay? And so he's saying Satan, you're giving Satan room to work. And so this is, this is something that's to be enjoyed in marriage. It's a good gift that God has given us. And so we need to ignore silly Instagram, you know, reels that try to minimize this or joke about this in marriage. It's not a joke, okay? It's a big deal. It's something that's to be enjoyed if you are married. Young people, what this, what this text is telling you is that the desires that you have— To to be in a relationship with somebody, to be romantic with somebody, those desires are revealing to you that God, for the most part, okay, we'll talk about the gift of singleness in a couple of weeks, but that God designed, for the most part, people to be married and to enjoy this in marriage. And so those desires are meant to point you to marriage. What that means for our young people is, we've got to, again, push back against the culture is that we need to ignore what the culture is telling us about extending adolescence from 13 to 20 to 25 to even into your 30s and to say, no, we need to become marryable younger than the culture tells us that we need to become marriable. You say, John, that's crazy. Listen, people go through puberty like 10, 11, 12 years old and they're not getting married till 30. Okay. That's foolishness. And so this idea that you should just, you know, put off adulthood for this indefinite period of time is not what God has told us in His Word. We need to teach our young people, train our young people, they need to be able to stand on their own two feet, they need to be able to work a job, they need to be able to provide, be able to start families. They need to be able to do that because God has designed them, for the most part, unless they have the gift of singleness, to be married. And then He says here that true intimacy like truly being intimate with somebody, is only found in exclusivity. This this is something you do with your spouse and with no one else. The bottom line here is that you and I, if we're married, get an opportunity to be an expert in one person for a lifetime. So again, practical guys, and guys, we all fall short here because once we get married and kind of rest on our laurels and think, well, I got her now, and but you've got to pursue your wife your entire life, your entire marriage. You've got to continue to date. You've got to continue to, to go after. You've got to continue to, to, to communicate with. Like, this is something that you're to do. You pursue your wife, your spouse, all of your life, because that's going to cultivate the joy of faithfulness. God has given this to us for human flourishing, for our good, for our best. And that's the joy of faithfulness. And the last thing that we see here is the motivation for faithfulness, the motivation for faithfulness. Look what he says there in verse 21. Again, some hard-hitting verses. For a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his paths. The iniquities of the wicked ensnare him, and he is held fast in the cords of his sin. He dies for lack of discipline, and because of his great folly, he is led astray. So here, Solomon ends with a warning, and then I want to give us a little something positive from uh, this passage. He, he, he warns, listen, when it comes to this particular sin, this is one of those sins that is always done in private, typically. Like, it's, it's typically not done in public. And, and so, because it's done in private, because you can erase your internet history, because nobody else knows about it, uh, you can be lured into thinking, well, I'm getting away with it. Well, no, nobody knows about it. And what Solomon says to his son is no, there is somebody who knows about it. It's God. Everything you do, everything you think, he knows it. He sees it. He's aware of it. And you're going to have to answer for it one day. He points his son, he warns him and he points his son to judgment. Now, listen, that's, that's important for us to, to think about because so often when we talk about this particularly, like when we have the talk with our kids, or we, we talk about sex education, like we, we do it merely at the level of immediate self-interest. Don't do this, you don't want to get pregnant. Don't do this, you can get an STD. Don't do this, you'll get a certain type of reputation. The Bible does some of that. We, we just saw that in a few verses earlier. But the Bible also points us to There's judgment. There's answering to your creator. So, it, so it's not just that you'll ruin your reputation, although you might. It's not just that you could wreck your family, although you might. It's not just that you'll cause your kids to hate you, although you might. But, but Jesus says this can send you to the judgment of God in hell. That whatever temporary immediate consequences you experience are a foretaste of what is going to happen in the future. And so we need to be clear with what the Bible says. And again, this is what the Apostle Paul says. I'm not trying to be mean or unkind or or judgmental at all. So let me just say this Albert Moeller, who's the, the president at Southern Seminary, has said that everyone north of puberty is a sexual sinner, whether they've done that by thought or by deed. Okay? Everyone north of puberty. So this includes all of us, including me, okay? But here's what the Apostle Paul says, and he says it on multiple occasions. He says, the sexually immoral will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's that's St. Paul, that's not John Aiken. They will not inherit the kingdom of God. So, so So here's what I wanna say, like, just being practical about what that means. If you are engaged in this particular sin in a repeating and ongoing fashion and you don't feel any conviction about that, then you should question where you stand with God. You say, well, John, I walked the aisle when I was five years old at Vacation Bible School and I signed a card. Okay, it's great. If you're repeatedly engaging in this sin, and you don't feel at all bad about it, then you should question where you stand with God. You should question whether or not what happened there was real or not. Because the Bible says, like Jesus says, right? He says, when it comes to this particular sin, do whatever you have to do to fight against it. It's better for you to gouge out your eye. Better for you to go into life with one eye than to go to hell with two eyes. So, so this is serious business. Jesus says, do whatever it takes. And so, so again, you may think John's crazy, and that, that's fine. There's lots of people who think that. Um, like, if, if, if you struggle with pornography on your smartphone, get a flip phone. But you're like, John, I can't get a flip phone. That's crazy. Better to enter into life with a flip phone. Right? I mean, it's not it, it, like if you struggle to put blockers on your computers. If you teenagers, if you're struggling with sending things you shouldn't send, de- delete Snapchat. Oh, I couldn't do that. I'll be weird. Okay, but if you're struggling with this, Jesus says, do whatever you have to do. Don't don't treat it as something that's light. But as good as all of those measures may be, we need something even more beautiful than that, and that's why we need the gospel of Jesus Christ. This this passage points us to the gospel because Solomon failed, right? Solomon was a a massive failure here, 300 wives, 700 girlfriends. Despite all of his warnings that he gives to his son, his son fails. All of us north of puberty have failed. But the hope of the book of Proverbs is that there is one who will come into human existence who will not fail. And when Jesus walks onto planet earth, He calls himself one greater than Solomon is here. And what do we know about the greater Solomon? We know this. He didn't defile himself with women. No, when he came into contact with unclean women, he made them clean. He didn't treat people or women as objects for his own gratification. The Bible says that he laid down his life for his bride. Jesus took on himself on the cross... All of the price of unfaithfulness that we see here in Proverbs chapter five, Jesus on the cross, his labors went to a stranger as they divided his clothes. Jesus on the cross at the end of his life, groaned when his flesh was consumed. Jesus at the end of his life was in the was ruined in the midst of the assembly, and yet he took all of that stuff on himself so that he could bring forgiveness and salvation to us who have fallen short and so Jesus is the answer. When we understand the, the beauty and the majesty of what Jesus has done for us, laying down his life for us, taking the, the consequences of our sin on himself on the cross, when that story becomes completely compelling and thrilling in our life, then it will destroy the power of the thrill of porn or an affair. And so that story is the story that can bring us freedom. Freedom. Some of you in this room aren't scared right now, but you are taking selfies with sharks. And you, you think it's just no big deal, it's never gonna get to that place, and I can take you to ruin marriage after ruin marriage after ruin marriage where somebody tells yeah, I didn't ever think it would get there. And it wasn't one big decision to leave and to be unfaithful, it was a thousand tiny decisions that all added up to them ruining their reputation. So some of you are in danger, you should hear the Jaws music in the background, but you don't. Some of you in this room, you, you want to follow God's design here, you, you want to do what God has called you to do, but you are like you're, you feel shame, you feel regret, you feel hurt, because you're like, I've already, I've already blown it, I've already, I've already come up short, what do I do now? Listen, Proverbs 5 says that a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord. Here's, here's what the Bible says, there's coming a day in the future... Coming day in the future when you and I, all of us, will stand face to face with the God man, Jesus Christ, and we will have a man look us in the eyes who knows everything we've ever done, said, or thought. That man took the the consequences of your sin on his back. That man died in your place. That man went into Sheol for you, and that man came back out alive so that you could hear him say to you, if you believe in him, there is no condemnation for you if you belong to me. Thanks for joining us this week on the Concord Online podcast. If you have any questions surrounding today's sermon or simply want to learn more, you can do so at concordonline.org. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast to stay up to date with each weekly release.